Praise be Jesus Christ. Slava Jesus Christ. Slava Be exalted. Let your glory be over all the earth. Name the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, this is a great day, ascension day of our Lord, when he goes back to his heavenly Father. There are many great days in all our lives, but in Jesus Christ, his great days were his crucifixion, his resurrection, and his ascension. In all these things, he mentions the Father, especially in John's Gospel. So let me talk to you a little bit about the crucifixion and the ascension. I don't want to talk about the Lord's suffering. I want to talk about his mystical life. The Father was with him and his suffering on the cross. And the divine energies were there. And so Christ, for those who have spiritualized, was glowing with divine energies as he made his sacrifice to the Father for our sake. Was he sad? He was sad that he had to undergo suffering in his human nature. But in his divine nature, he was filled with divinity of the second person of the Trinity, and the Father was pouring his love upon him because he did the will of the Father. Quickly, he ascended to heaven. His body was left to be adored and crucified. On the cross, it was taken down. It was placed in a tomb. And on Easter, we celebrated the fact that the tomb was empty. He remained with us about 40 days. So today, if you noticed, the Pashtunitsa was removed from the holy table, signifying he was he went up to heaven. In his ascension, he goes to the right hand of the Father as enthroned, and his body goes there. He goes body and soul, and his Father throns him with grace divine gifts, holiness, divine energies. And at that point, he becomes the primal sacrament of the church, the one who can share these gifts with us, which the Father has been planning and promising during his ministries. He preached, as John the Evangelist recorded, John the theologian explaining us the meaning of the Christ event. So now we wait quietly 
for the coming of those gifts at Pentecost in 10 days. In the meantime, we meditate upon his doxai, the doxai away, the glory of God. Uh, glory, we say glory to God in the highest, in front of our prayers, the doxology, the great doxology. The great doxology proclaims the interior life of God. And through these actions, these saving actions of Jesus Christ, his plan is to save them, and to save those for us too, that we should share. And so we're baptized and we're chrismated, receive the Holy Eucharist. All these things become a reality after Christ ascends and sends the Holy Spirit. Because all these things are accomplished through the work of the Holy Spirit. So remember this, the fathers taught us divine energies, the grace, not the energies of God himself, we don't know them, but the sanctifying energies of God are in part to us from the Father, through the Son, by the Holy Spirit. And so we await for him to come to us so that we could participate in all these wonderful gifts of God to us. Life itself on the earth is fallen. We're the children of Adam and Eve. No wonder we get into trouble. But that was not God's intention. He wanted us to be his children. And so he sends his very own son, second person of blessed trinity, to sanctify us through his passion, death, and resurrection, which made possible our knowledge of the Holy Spirit. That's why I encourage you very much to live a mystical life, to have a deep prayer life, so that you can have experience of these in your own heart. Our religion is a Hesychistic religion, especially in the East, and it has very much to do with the prayer of the heart. Now, there are many people who don't have a sacramental liturgy. They broke away from the church at the Renaissance, and they argued about intellectual things. They don't even mention the mystical life of the Holy Trinity most of the time because they have cut themselves off from that without the sacraments. Maybe those that are baptized receive some mystical energy, the deifying energies of God. But because of Pentecost, we have a pleroma of these gifts. 
In the early church, the fathers are talking about this extensively. John Chrysostom, Basil the Great, great theologian, Gregory Nazianzen, etc., etc., etc. And it was very taken up with living the life. So they knew when they came to church, they had a priesthood, which is a participation in the priesthood of Christ through which he operates and brings them these holy gifts of sanctification. So, Jesus makes a promise at his ascension. He says, it's necessary that I go and leave you. They were very sad. They did not understand. And they saw him go up above the clouds of heaven. So I will send one among you, your teacher and sanctifier. And God, John elaborates this extensively in his gospel. It's not the gospels are pretty much about Jesus' ministry and preaching. The one thing we learn is we have to keep the Ten Commandments and live a disciplined life if we're going to receive these gifts. But there's a lot more going on there. The things he underwent in the Synoptic Gospels we have to undergo to achieve our own sanctification. We'll have our own passion, death, and resurrection, and we look forward to it. We look forward to being freed from temptations, sorrow, pain, a world that is looking in the wrong direction. So sometimes you look around at the world and uh, people claim to be Christian. To be Christian means you're a follower of Jesus Christ, baptized, chrismated, and we participate in the holy meal, the Eucharist. Many of these people do not have this. It's sometimes a head trip with them called faith. Everybody has faith. It's infused at baptism. And they elaborate a theology separate from what was given to us in Scripture and in the teaching of the apostolic church. It's difficult to deal with this world now that is secularized, as though religion were a private thing to be kept secret or to yourself. If you really love God, and I believe you do, you want to share the beauty that you receive from God. And you want to understand the mystical meaning of the life of Christ by which he gives us divine life. Everybody talks about grace. It's probably the Eastern Church is the only one that tells you the nature of grace and how it affects your very being. To the Hesychistic spirituality. So sometimes I listen to the radio, some of the Christian uh, 
stations. And then lately, they do mention the fathers, but they do not mention the implications of the teachings of the fathers, what they were trying to get at, what they were trying to share with us. That all of you have this beautiful life in you. It's your main job to take care of it and to not drive God away by personal sin. So why did God give us free will? It's sort of a mystery. That we can choose between good and evil because one who loves God will always choose the good. And sometimes it's painful to choose the good. It was painful Jesus Christ on the cross. I don't think his ascension was painful. I think he was going to the Father. And of course there was a great embrace of the Father and the Son which burst forth into divine energies. Into saving energies for us, deifying energies. And that's what he promised would happen that would flow down upon the world and the Spirit would bring that gift. So we are the spirit-filled people of God. I'll preach more about that at Pentecost. We are the new nation. And we have free will to choose God. That's true freedom. And to choose his will. That's freedom. We hardly have any thing to choose in this life here. Because we get sick, we die. It's the fallen nature we're dealing with all the time. But it can be transformed. Christ was transformed by his divinity. He had a body like us. He knew pain. He knew suffering. He knew disappointment. But he knew the plan of the Father. And he did it, we would say, religiously. He did it because his heart and the heart of the Father were one. So this ascension is important to us. He goes home to become a man like us, who he is a man like us, but deified completely. That through that human nature, he can give us life-giving grace to bring us the joy of the heavenly kingdom. Remember, we not have not here a lasting city. It's an enjoyable place. I like it. When I go out around the monastery and see the land and the plants and the animals, it's a beautiful thing. It's a paradise in itself. I don't like to see it abused. I've always been sort of like that. It's a gift from God. I never wanted to abuse anything. But above all, I want to understand the meaning of Christ's passion, death, and resurrection and his ascension. I understand that I am intimately involved. For it is all the sacrament of presence of God in my life. To make me, too, a citizen of paradise.
where there'll be no pain, sorrow, or mourning, but only beauty and glory. In the church, we behold a lot of beauty. The art, the liturgy, the beauty of the sacraments, the way things are prepared for worship. A lot of people don't see that. They see a ceremony. They don't see the interior meaning of the action of God through his sacramental liturgy. They don't understand the sacramental nature of Christ and his body, the primal sacrament, which is glorified at the right hand of the Father. They say Jesus is God. That's true. Second person, blessed Trinity. When the monks was talking to me about Judaism, and uh, <clears throat> Judaism was a preparation for Christianity. And especially in our church, the Eastern Catholic Church, we have many, many, many things that were given to us by the Old Testament, by the Jews. The greatest gift, I think, is Isaiah, the prophet, who tells us the mystical one who would come, Jesus Christ, and tells us of his mission. Many people say, well, you only have to pay attention to the New Testament. That's not true. You have to know the prophecies and the work of the Holy Spirit. We say in the Creed that prophets were inspired by the Holy Spirit. That prophecy is lived out by Christ and now by us. You mystics, you citizens destined for heaven, you holy people of God, pray hard. Learn to pray in your heart. Said in the readings today at the Matins that if we pray well, the interior meaning of the scriptures will be revealed to us. I know people can quote scripture better than I can, but I wonder if they know what they're quoting. So I had to deal this week with a fellow that's going to bring us some stone to fix the back of the church there where it leaks all the time, putting stone there to keep the weather out. Very expensive process, by the way. But anyway... He said he had a friend who just died and uh, they were a very good friend and the man was very intelligent and he could quote scripture. He says he knew the scriptures but when he died uh, he lost his friend. I mean he lost his buddy. And the girlfriend of this guy told him that he was not a believer. Was he a fake? The man is crushed. Someone who you're sharing your faith with is not a believer? What kind of dummy is he? And all the time, they're picking away Christians to destroy your heart and your love for God. The whole way of life is materialistic, and that's not really what we are. We're primarily 
spiritual Christians with the gifts of God in us, just like Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, was a man, but filled with divinity. That's the life he wants to give us. That's the life we should be leading, not paying a great attention to temptations. Sometimes I think about Well, I work, I had a, a devout Doppeter boy, you know that, and I educated him very well. And he's a PhD, but that's not everything, is it? The important thing for me is he's made his mistakes, but he still is a practicing Byzantine Catholic. That's the reward for my work. I would like to see him in heaven in beauty in the divine energies. And I pray that he prays for me that I'll get there too. Do not let the world destroy you. See the beauty of God in it and think of the ascension. The man of all men went to heaven with his body, a beautiful body filled with love and divine energies, grace. That's the way you want to go, ascending to the glory that you're predestined to by the prophecies of Isaiah. Name the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.